You're listening to a talk from Grace Church Barrow, a local church community for Holbeck, Ruse and beyond. Our current teaching series is called Rebuild, looking at the Old Testament book of Haggai. Today's message comes from Haggai chapter 2 verses 1 to 9. Father, we pray now as we spend a few moments looking at Haggai chapter 2, pray that by your powerful spirit you might speak to us through these words, that your word would be living and active in our lives, that you would speak into the situations we face, that you'd help us to be those that listen to your word and pray that um, you would give us what we need. Thank you that you promised to do that and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just wonder, um, I want to start by asking whether you are the kind of person who gets nostalgic. Are you the kind of person who gets nostalgic? In other words, do you kind of, do you look back to glory days? Do you look back to the golden era? Uh, it might be you get nostalgic about your football and you think, oh, I remember when, when uh, Barrow were flying high. Well, they're flying high at the moment, aren't they? We're flying high in in the um, in the national divisions, uh, maybe you get nostalgic about life in general. Do you remember when kids used to be able to play out on the street, and you know we weren't stuck on screens the whole day? Uh, maybe you get nostalgic about uh, just generally about a certain time in your life, and you think, well, you know what? Actually, back then, that was when life was good, when my relationships were were like they should have been. And yet now, kind of, you get more discouraged. It's easy to get nostalgic, and there's something there's something nice about nostalgia, isn't there? Look, hearing a favourite song that takes us back, or watching a film, or just getting a memory or a smell that takes us back. Um, but Haggai, as he addresses us today, is going to put his finger on uh, spiritual nostalgia and the danger, actually, of spiritual nostalgia looking back and being distracted from the present. More on that in a moment, but yeah, we're spending, we're spending four weeks looking at this little Old Testament book of Haggai. It's a, short, it's a short book, it's just two chapters, something like 38 verses, takes you like less than 15 minutes to read, but it's a book that has got masses to say to us, a huge word, a huge message for us today. It's set, uh, like we saw last week in the year 520, BC. So we're, we're rewinding from 2020 AD to 520 BC and God's people have just come back from exile. They're back in the promised land uh, but things aren't going well. The temple is in ruins and 20 years has passed since they returned. Uh, but rather than investing in God's temple, in God's building project, uh, people have been investing in their own lives and that was the challenge we saw last week. And we, and we also thought last week about how actually, in terms of how we read the Bible as a, as a whole book, um, the, the Bible tells us as we go through into the New Testament, how actually the temple, the Old Testament temple is a little picture of, of God's eternal building project, being part of making and growing followers of Jesus for his glory. Do you remember we talked about uh, how Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples and God is gathering a, a living temple built around Jesus Christ, who in some ways was the fulfillment of the temple, a dwelling 
place of God, the manifestation of God, and and God is gathering people around him. And, and this is the this is the eternal building project that we've all been called to join in together. That's what a church is. Church is a bunch of people gathered around Jesus, um, committed to him, committed to his word, committed to each other, being a family on mission together. And that's what we that's what we aim to be at Grace Church. You know, we've met in different different physical buildings during our time together. We've met in a school. We've met uh, in Working Men's Club. At the moment, we're meeting in our homes in this season. Who knows where we'll be in the future? But it's not about the building, is it? Yes, you want to have a building. You want to have a building that meets your needs, that's welcoming, that's warm, uh, where you can see each other. But actually, it doesn't matter whether you're in a cathedral or whether you're in a shed. God is no more present in one than the other. And actually, if we are about God's work of making disciples, of following Jesus, that is what matters. And, and last week, Haggai spoke to those Israelites and by God's spirit spoke to us and challenged us and said, what are our priorities? Are we wanting to invest in that? Or are we wanting to invest just in our own lives? What will we build our lives upon? As that song puts it. But as we come to this week's passage, Haggai, this, this little prophet... This guy whose job it is to bring God's word to the people. Again, he speaks and again, he, he brings God's word. In fact, we're told in chapter two, verse one, that the date of this message is, is basically, well, it's just under two months after that first message from last week. So they've been cracking on with having a go at building this temple. Uh, and do you remember last week how Haggai just asked them a question and that question cut straight to the heart do you remember he said last week, verse chapter one, verse, verse four, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? That was his question, wasn't it? It just went straight to the heart. Well, today he asks another question. In fact, he asked three questions. If you have a look at verse three of chapter two, God tells him to ask the people, who of you is left who saw this house, the temple, in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? What's he saying? Well, I wonder if you have ever asked that question or ever said that comment. Do you not think things aren't like what they used to be, are they? Have you ever said, well, back in my day? Have you ever said, do you remember when? We call it nostalgia, where we we look back to the good old days with fondness and, and happy thoughts. But what's going on here is that God's people are feeling a spiritual nostalgia. This is our kind of our first, our first point, really, the discouragement of weakness and the temptation of spiritual nostalgia. You see, God's people were looking back to a time hundreds of years before when King Solomon had built this temple and it was the high point of the Old Testament. It was incredible. He got the finest craftspeople, the finest builders, you know, today it would have been the guys who are building the Swish hotels in Dubai. It would have been getting Steve Jobs from Apple to do all the kind of interiors and they'd be white and sleek. They'd have the finest clothing designers to do all the priestly garments and the curtains. You know, Stella McCartney and, and Paul McCartney. Is, is that right? Um, Dorothy Perkins. No, maybe not. But it was amazing. It was an amazing thing. And it was... And you, the thing is, you still had people in Haggai's time who remembered the temple, 
who'd been there before exile, before it had been demolished. They were old enough to remember how good it was. And they knew that this ruin, that these kind of this rubble, the the beginnings of this building project was nothing compared to what it had been. And the problem was, as they looked back with that kind of spiritual nostalgia, it, it made them discouraged about the present. That's the thing about, about nostalgia, isn't it? It's good to be thankful, but when it demotivates you in the present, that's when it can be unhelpful. Now, I don't know, some of us may be may have been Christians for a while, uh, and maybe we do look back to a heyday. You know, maybe it was a high point for you personally. You know, I remember when I was 18 and walking with the Lord. Or I remember when I was 25 or I remember when I was 40, whatever it was. And I felt I was growing and I felt I was on fire for God. And it was brilliant. Or maybe we look back to a church we were part of. And, you know, the church was filling four services a Sunday and the kids groups were bursting out. And it was like the feeding of the 5,000 every time we did coffee after the service. You know, we had to multiply biscuits and coffee just to feed everyone. It was amazing. Or maybe we look back to a time in the culture. Now, I think this is, in my experience, quite common for people who are perhaps over 60 to kind of look back to actually a time in British culture where we feel that actually people were much more spiritually open. Do you remember when we were a Christian nation? You know, when, when people went to church, when, when we lived by God's standards, that's what, that's what sometimes people say. And maybe we can even do that on a really short time frame. So, you know, maybe for us at Grace Church, you know, we thank God that we've made some great memories already. And, but sometimes do we kind of look back and maybe we go, oh, do you remember? Do you remember when? You, do you remember when we had those baptisms at Easter and how special that was? Or do you remember when uh, these guys were part of the church and, and how good it was? Now, it is, it's, it's good to be thankful. And I am truly thankful, certainly for the journey we have been on as a church. But there's always that thing about ro- rose-tinted spectacles, isn't there? And, uh, you know, just think about the whole nation as a whole. We may have had lots of people in our churches, but, but how many of their, them were there because they wanted to be there? How many of them were disciples? Um, when our Sunday schools were packed out, how many of those, those kids were, being, were growing as, as disciples in their homes? And so, you know, we've got to take our memories with a pinch of salt and there's nothing wrong with being thankful. But when we look back in a way that, that kind of, that kind of that, that is that kind of spiritually nostalgic kind of way of looking back, it kind of wears away at our enthusiasm for the present. And that's when something has gone wrong. And, and Haggai is putting his finger on that. He knows this is what they were thinking. As, and as they looked around, this is what they were feeling. And I think the thing, the time when we're especially vulnerable to this is when we feel discouraged or we feel our own weakness. So here's a little formula for you. When we feel our own weakness spiritually and then you've got spiritual nostalgia, then what does it lead to? It leads to discouraged discipleship now I think the thing the the problem here is that actually the church will always be weak the church is 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 a group of people who are all sinners Uh, we and we believe that a man dying on the cross is the most important moment in history it's always going to look weak but I wonder what tempts you to look back to to glory days 
maybe it is when you look around at our church and you think, oh, well, Grace Church is it's, it's quite small, isn't it? Or maybe we look around at, our, at each other and we go, well, they're a bit weird or they wind me up or, and the guy doing the preaching don't even get me started on him. Or maybe we look at our own lives and just our own situation and we think, you know, I just struggle to even get through the day and still want to honour God. Maybe we think, well, I'm too old for this now. You know, I'm happy kind of seeing out my time, but I don't want to take this too seriously anymore. I want to kind of put myself in third gear or second gear rather than going full out for Jesus. Or maybe we think about the people that we pray for and we long to see come to know Jesus. And we just think, well, you know, they don't want to know anything. The efforts you've made seem to be brushed off and it feels so weak. And we feel so weak and church can feel so weak. We feel our own weakness. And when you combine that with spiritual nostalgia, it leads to discouraged discipleship. Here are three questions maybe for you to think through in your own time. In what ways do you feel the weakness of making disciples? As as you look at the struggles in your own life, as you look at the ordinariness or the smallness of your church, As you look at the spiritual apathy of our nation, how do you feel that weakness? How are you tempted to look back with spiritual nostalgia? I'll post those questions up on on Facebook later if you want to make a note of them later. But what's Haggai going to say? What is Haggai going to say? And this is um, where we come to chapter 2, verse 4. Have a look down at chapter 2, verse 4. Haggai says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. He was the leader, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Wow. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong, and then for I am with you. Wonder if that rings any bells with last week. Do you remember that verse? We opened our time together today, chapter 1, verse 13. He said, For I am with you. You know that thing with kids where you have to tell them things more than once to get it into their to get it into their brains. Some of us have probably done a lot of that on lockdown. Don't we in the paddling pool? I said, don't we in the paddling pool? But also things that are much more meaningful. Don't be scared. You know, I've got you. I'm with you in this. Don't be scared. Just have a go. You can do this. You can do this. Have a go. We love you. And there's that classic story, isn't there, of the husband who said um, to his wife, um, well, his wife said to him on their 40th wedding anniversary, why do you never tell me you don't, why do you never tell me you love me anymore? And the husband says, well, I told you on the day I married you and I'll let you know if it changes. But we need, we need to be told things more than once. And God knows that. So chapter one, I'm with you. Chapter two, be strong, be strong, be strong. I am with you. Hang on, God. That's what you said two months ago. Yeah, I'm with you. Have, you. have you got it yet? And look how he fills it out. These aren't just empty words. Look at verse five. This is what I covenanted or, or promised to you 
when you came out of Egypt. He's taken them back 700 years previously when they, when they came out of, of Egypt in the Exodus. This is what I promised, that I will be your God and you will be my people. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I am with you. I've promised to be with you. And for, for us who are Christians, we know actually the, the, the proof of that. Well, there is the Exodus, but there's also the cross. The cross stands on the horizon and says, I am with you. I died for you. I've risen to new life to be with you. I've given you my spirit poured out into your hearts. If you're trusting in me, I am with you. Strengthen your hearts with the promise of God's presence. That's what, that's what Haggai tells us. Strengthen your hearts with the promise of God's presence. But God's presence isn't just like a friend saying, I'm with you in this. You know, it's kind of nice when a friend says, I'm with you, isn't it? You know, to know that you're not alone. But the point here is that in this task, in this building project, this task of making disciples of Jesus, of planting churches, of growing healthy churches that are full of disciple making disciples. God is with us in that task. In other words, this is, is God's task and it's, it's his baby. It's his baby. And that changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, any Christian who is struggling with their own sin and temptation, struggling with their own weakness, feeling that they can't grow. By the way, that's all of us. God says, I'm with you in this task. It's a game changer for, for any church that's thinking, who are we? You know, who are we in the great scheme of things? How can we make a difference for God? I am with you. It's a game changer for any church leader, any pastor who's thinking, am, am I up to this? What, what are we? What are we doing? I am with you. It's, it's God's baby. It's his baby. He's with us. And you know what that means? Uh, that means this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. And that's the last point we look at um, today. Um, lift your eyes to the future glory of God's building project. Have a look at chapter two, verse uh, six. This is going somewhere. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. God is with us in this task. It's his baby and it's going somewhere. There is a future glory, an eternal glory. That's what Haggai is telling these guys that is beyond compare. And so he says to us, lift your eyes to the future glory of God's building project. That, that task of making disciples of all nations is, is an eternal project. And it's going to lead to people gathered around Jesus for all eternity, worshipping him. And the picture in in these verses of Haggai chapter two is of all the nations coming to coming together, coming, gathering around God and bringing their glory, bringing their good stuff. Remember, we thought about the pinata and the butter churning and the coffee um, winnowing. And uh, what was the fourth one? 
I can't remember. <laughs> but the point with all those four things is that you shake them and you see the good stuff. The good stuff comes. And that's, that's the picture that Haggai's using. He's saying God is going to do something. Just like he shook the earth back in the Exodus, literally with those plagues and judgments and, and, the, and the water parting and the people were set free. And, and the people weren't just set free. They had all of Egypt's good stuff. They were told to ask their, their, um, the people they lived with, their masters in Egypt for their gold. And the people gave it to them. So the glory of the nations came with them. And Haggai says, it's going to be like that once more. God's going to do something. He's going to shake the nations and the glory is going to come together. The good stuff is going to be gathered around Jesus and it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be beyond compare. This is, this is where this is going. And um, it's interesting when you turn to the New Testament, these verses from Haggai are, are used in two particular places and they're both used to show that actually this this eternal goal is something that is still to come. Um, the, the point for Haggai's generation is that they never saw this. But in Christ, we, we will see it. So this, this first reference from Hebrews chapter 12, the writer to the letter to the Hebrews says this, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. See the way he's quoting Haggai there? The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. He's basically saying there is going to be an eternal shaking. He's saying Haggai promised that and this is the fulfillment of it. Uh, the created world is going to be shaken and what, is, what can't be shaken is what will remain. What God is building is going to be what remains. And the, the verses are also used in, in Revelation chapter 21, that glorious vision of a, a new heavens and a new earth. Look at how um, John, as he writes this, uses the language of Haggai. I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In other words, the presence of God is there in, in God being with his people. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there'll be no night there. It's, it's a safe place, a secure place. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Again, John saying there is going to be this, those verses from Haggai are fulfilled when Jesus returns and establishes a new creation and the glory of the nations using that Haggai language are going to be brought into it. It's going to be people there from every tribe and nation, but the glory is going to be all to Jesus. It's going to be incredible. And see how then Haggai is using that as a motivation. He's saying, lift your eyes to that day. And that enables you to minister and to get on and invest your life in this building project, in making disciples of Jesus through growing healthy churches. That is what will motivate us to invest in that, even though it feels weak, even though it feels small, even though it feels so ordinary. This is where it's going. Lift your eyes. Um, lift your eyes to it. Maybe one temptation we face is, well, we think, well, the church is so ordinary. 
I want something. I want something more than the church. Sometimes meet Christians who kind of are very dis, discouraged with with church, and they they want something bigger and more glorious. Um, but actually, this is God's plan. His plan is is to see people gathered together under Jesus. Something very ordinary about that, but there is glory in the ordinary because of where it's going. As He gathers people around Jesus, communities committed to Him, committed to each other. Uh, it's it's part of something eternal and glorious. It's going somewhere. It's his baby. Actually, the Bible says it's not just his baby, it's his bride. And those New Testament writers pick that image up and say, fix your eyes on that. And that inspires, that encourages us, even though we feel our weakness, even though we look back to glory days in the past, to get on and invest our lives now in the present. I don't know if you know... Um, Gladiator, that famous film, Gladiator, with Russell Crowe. Um, any Russell Crowe fans in the house? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Getting some nods from the ladies. Um, and there's this brilliant line in Gladiator where he's trying to, Maximus is trying to motivate the people in the army. And he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Now, there are all sorts of things we can spend our lives on, aren't there? We, all sorts of things we can give our lives to. There's a poem that you sometimes see quoted on Facebook on little pictures that says uh, by a lady called Mary Oliver, where she says, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? There's so many things we can give our lives to. And Haggai says... Don't be discouraged about the weakness of giving your life to this project of making followers of Jesus, of growing as a follower of Jesus yourself. Because what we do in life echoes into eternity. This is where it is headed. So many of the things we do invest our lives in won't echo in eternity. They'll, they'll be nothing in eternity. They'll be shaken, uh, just like those verses from the New Testament said. And yet when we invest in something that can't be shaken, people... Uh, gathering around Jesus, people becoming Christians, growing as Christians. That is something that has eternal significance. What we do in life echoes in eternity. So as you feel your weakness, as we feel our weakness, as we perhaps look back to the glory days, don't be discouraged. God is with us. Be strong, be strong, be strong. I am with you. And this is going somewhere. Lift your eyes to where this glorious building project of making disciples is going. And let that motivate you to crack on uh, in the present. Let's pray as we um, draw that to a close. Be strong, be strong, be strong. I am with you. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Father, we praise you for your eternal building project to bring people to Jesus, to make disciples, to grow a holy temple, people who are trusting in him, who will give you much glory. Praise you for showing us where this is going. Praise you that though it may feel weak and so ordinary, though we may be very aware of our own weakness personally, this is part of something you are doing and that changes everything. And so we pray that you would help us to uh, give our lives to this in the present, in the very messy reality, in the very uh, weak reality of 
of growing as disciples ourselves, of, of seeking to encourage others to trust and follow Jesus, of, of seeking to invest ourselves in, in each other and our own walk with you. Pray that this might spur us on because we know where it's going and we know that you're at work with us. Help us to live in the present, knowing that what we do in life can echo in eternity. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.